I don't know if you've ever been able to walk out onto a stage or into a room with hype music. That was pretty legit. (laughs) It's not about me, but that was really fun. (laughs) So um, I encourage you to get your own hype music. Just put it in your pocket and you just put it in, push play as you walk into a room. That's a good song to do. Hey, uh, my name is Keith. I am one of the pastors here at West Main, and I am excited to be with you this morning. I get the opportunity to teach, um, and I'm excited about that. <clears throat> I don't know where you've been over the last few weeks, but we've been walking through this series called Preparing for a Resurrection. And uh, we've turned our vocabulary from Easter Sunday to Resurrection Sunday because there's more than... Um, an Easter bunny. And there's more than a weird Easter bunny that poops eggs. <laughs> Sounds weird, right? But that's what Easter has become often. And uh, we've said, you know what? Let's pull it back to what it's about. It's about a resurrection. It's about a death and our Savior defeating death. Um, it, And with that, I'm going to tell you this. Um, They have put tape marks up here because I walk too much. And they said, stay in between the lines. And so if you see me kind of stop abruptly, you'll know I've hit my line. Uh, So Resurrection Sunday is next week. We've been talking about this for a few weeks now because we've been preparing for it. And, And I don't know where you are with your family or with yourself. But for me, this has been a good reminder that there's more to this thing. It's not, and you guys are moving up every week. This is awesome. I love this. (laughs) This is not just another Sunday. Like this week, this is known as Palm Sunday. As we walk into Resurrection Sunday, we call this, anybody know what it's called? Holy Week. You may have heard that before? Holy Week. And so uh, this is the week where we realize Friday is Good Friday, where Jesus died on the cross, died on the cross. And when they come back to look and prepare him, Jesus isn't there, because he's defeated death. And so we've been walking through this preparation for this coming Sunday, and, and we're excited about it. Our band has been working hard for that. Um, our staff has been working hard, um, and we're really excited about it. So we're looking at uh, a passage out of John, in John 17, uh, the last final prayer of Jesus. And let's jump into there now. We're going to jump into the last part of it, starting in 20. It says, I am praying not only, this is Jesus talking, right, his final prayer. I am praying, and we can stop there and realize That if Jesus prays to God, something we ought to do too, right? Like, that sounds so funny, but like, if we want to be like Jesus, we need to pray. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So he prays for his disciples, those that he's gathered around him. And then he says, the message that will be sent out through them, I want to pray for those people as well and for that message that gets sent out. So he's praising for us as well. Does that make sense? 
So he's praying for, praying for his disciples. He's also praying for you right now before he gets onto the cross. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. So that the world will believe. When we are connected and we are unified with God, then the world can believe because we are unified. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I love that Jesus thinks about us. Not just what's happening right now, but what's happening in the future. What's about to come. He says, they need to be one. They need to be unified and connected. So that when they're unified and connected, the world will believe what the message is. And if we're not unified and connected, guess what? The world doesn't believe what's being said. Just before that, uh, we see Jesus as a youth pastor. I'm, I'm a youth pastor. I deal with students often. And so I, I find a fun time in this next passage that we're going to look through. And it's out of John 14. He says this. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If there's, if this was not, if, excuse me, if this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way to where I am going. Now look, here's where we see Jesus as a youth pastor. Because Thomas is like a 7th grade boy right now. Thomas is going to say this. No, we don't. He says, no, we don't know, Lord, Thomas says. We have no idea where you are going. So how are we supposed to know the way? Jesus tells him. And I read this differently as a youth pastor now. Because um, I think he's a little frustrated now. Thomas, come on, dude. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip says, another boy, right? Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. That's all you have to do is show us. He's like, I just told you it's me. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am? This is what happens in youth ministry. If you've never been around youth ministry, you go, uh, I'm going to use Jed because he's sitting right here. Jed, I need you to take that ball and go put it over there. And then Jed goes, 
hey, what should I do with this ball? I just said, go put it over there, right? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show you him? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me anything in my name and I will do it. I love that Jesus, before he prays for us, in that passage in John 17, prepares that work in John 14, and he begins to tell his disciples, hey, me and, and the Father are one. We are unified. And the things that you're learning and knowing and, and understanding are coming from the Father because we are one. And now you and I are connected, and we know the Father. And then, you know, the seventh grade boys go, no, we don't. What? He goes, I'm telling you, you have been walking through this with me. And if for no other reason that you need to believe, believe because of what you've seen happen already. And then right after this, he's going to walk into this crucifixion. And he's going to die for all of us. And then he's going to defeat death. And so when we talk about unity and what unity means, I would encourage you, over this week, maybe to read Ephesians 4. We're going to look at some of Ephesians 4 to look at the unity of the church, the unity of us in our relationship with Christ. And so let's look at a little bit of, of Ephesians now. Starting at 4. Therefore, I, this is Paul talking, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, a prisoner for serving the Lord, Anybody been in prison lately for serving God, just for serving God? No hands? A prisoner for serving the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and in all and living through all. Paul's talking here and he begs, he says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Your calling 
is to spread that message that he gave the disciples who spread the message, who gives it to you for you to spread the message. And that's Jesus' prayer right before he goes on the cross, right? He says, you have a calling from God to continue to share. But we must be united in order to share that so that the world will believe the message that you have to say. The things that are going on, they'll believe because we are united. And we skip down into uh, Ephesians 4. It ends with this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, and Facebook, and Instagram. No. That's hard to work through some of those and still sit on some of those social media apps where we can just say whatever we want, right? Get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger, all harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving, forgiving one another, sorry, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I had to look up the word tender-hearted. Anybody know what tender-hearted means? You probably do. The only thing I could think of was tender heart bear from Care Bear Stare. Anybody? Yeah? Tender-hearted. I read it like this. Out of the kids version. Easily affected with feelings of love, pity, or sorrow. Easily affected with love, pity, or sorrow. So Paul encourages us to be kind to each other, to be easily swayed, easily pushed, affected for love, pity, sorrow, forgive one another, just as God has forgiven us. Listen, we say here at West Main that this is a judgment-free zone. We want you to know that we love you, we care about you, and it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've been doing. It doesn't matter whether you got up angry this morning, whether you fought with your kids, whether you fought with your spouse, if you just walked in because you didn't have anything else to do. It doesn't matter. It does matter. But we're not going to point to that. We're just glad you're here. Because we believe that God has you here for a reason. And we believe that God's word doesn't return void. And so by you being here, you're going to get something out of this moment. You're going to get connected with the Father and be closer, one step closer to unity with Him. And that's our hope. That's our prayer. So, when we look at unity, and we look at the things that we need to do, the first thing we need to do is stop division. Now you go, Keith, come on. This is a no-brainer. The opposite of unity is division, right? But how many churches are going on right now, separated, segregated? Sunday morning is the most segregated time 
of any wheat. Did you realize that? Stop division. Listen, if we went back to the Ephesians verse, if we stopped all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander, the world would be a different place, wouldn't it? And I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking to you, Christian. Paul is talking to you as Christians. Stop slandering. Stop your gossip. Stop your rage and your anger. That's what causes division. We as people, as Christians, as churches, we're often known for what we're against more than what we're for. And when we stand up for what we're against, it puts a divide between everybody. And I'm not saying that we can't say what we're against. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying if people know what we're for, that message comes through a lot clearer. I was sitting here this morning praying just kind of through this message and about three or four rows back there was a bright white spot on a chair. I started looking around and I was like, I don't I don't know what that is. I thought maybe it's a ghost. <laughs> maybe it's a spirit showing himself. I started looking around and thought, it's got to be a reflection. So the lights were on. I kind of started covering up guitars and trying to, I started trying to figure out what it was. And so I just kind of looked like a lunatic running around up here going, well, I'd probably look like a lunatic anytime. But I started trying to, you know, hide things going, what is that? I came over here and I could still see this one spot about that big on the back of the chair. I was like, I, I cannot figure it out. And so I started walking closer to it, and I had this thought, don't walk towards the light. <laughs> so I was like, i, I got to figure out what it is. <laughs> so I started walking to it, and as I walked closer to it, it went away. And I was like, now this is really weird. And so I stepped back, and then there it was. I was like, okay, it's behind me now. And I realized all these windows are covered up. But there was one little spot coming through the bottom of the curtains here on the side. And it was just showing one little spot. And God was kind of like, hey, look, when we are unified, people begin to get drawn to that light. People want to know what it is. Hey, there's something different. It's completely dark and there's one bit of light. There's something different here. They're drawn to that difference, right? So if we're going... To have unity, we have to stop division. We have to start drawing people to the light for the good things that we're doing, for the kindness, the tenderheartedness, the forgiving one another. So there's our next one. If we're going to draw people to unity, we have to be kind. Be kind. Some of us think it's our duty or our job to get back at people. Some of us think it's our duty to tell you our opinion and be angry about it. Be kind. We're going to do a mission trip with our students this, this summer, and we're going to put that on a shirt. It's just going to say, be kind. Always. That's what God's called us to do. 
I mean, that's there in Scripture too. Paul says, I beg you, be kind to each other. Pastor out of the UK, an author, Sam Alberry says it like this. Jesus did not have to affirm people to be with them. And he didn't have to exclude people to disagree with them. And I think that's where society is in, in more than anything else. We want to exclude if we don't agree with you. Or we would just want to argue with you and slander and, and throw bitterness at you, right? But we exclude you. If you don't believe the way I believe, we can't be friends. I hate you now. Jesus didn't exclude people that he disagreed with. Here's the next step in unity. And you hear this from, from many different ways. But love God and love others. And if you're in the house, you can look right over here out of Matthew. They ask him, teacher, they ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is equal to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So number one, we need unity with the Father. Number two, we need unity out here. Right? So love God with everything that you have, and then let that flow into loving everybody else around you. That will connect us. Here's our final point for the morning. Forgive. The reason many of us are bitter and angry and frustrated and lash out is because we've been hurt. Hurt people hurt people. Would you agree with that? Hurt people are angry. They're bitter. And so if we're going to work through that, we have to forgive. And forgiveness does not mean letting them get away with it. It doesn't mean because I've forgiven that you got away with everything that you did to me. And many people have been hurt by the church. Many of you in here, you've been burned, hurt, frustrated by a pastor, by another church, a church member. And you are just now starting to come around and go, okay, I'm going to go to church. Or you're coming to a point where you're like, I'm still jaded, but I just know I need to be here. Forgiveness is not about them, but it's about us. Forgiveness comes from within. It comes from a connection with God. It comes from letting go of the pain and hurt and bitterness. Is it easy? No. But listen, we are to forgive others as God has forgiven us. When you didn't deserve it, you weren't even around. God knew you'd be messed up. And he still sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you and for me. 
And we get the opportunity to share that message with others by unifying that message gets stronger. So we're going to have to forgive. We're going to have to work through that. I would encourage you today, if you need to forgive, if you need to work through forgiveness, we'll have some people in the back that would love to talk with you and encourage you and pray with you. Um, we've got a counselor on staff that would love to talk with you over the next week. Um, our pastors would love to talk with you if you need some encouragement, some prayer working through forgiveness because it's not just a okay I'll forgive right that never happens oh, I'm done there's a process there so if if you need us to help you walk through that pray with you through that we'd love to be a part of that with you so I encourage you this morning get rid of all the bitterness and anger and divide we are not against other churches we are in the same position as other churches are trying to share the gospel share this message of what Christ has done for us so if somebody goes to another church well they go to that church that leans towards slander doesn't it well I wouldn't go to that church if they paid me I wouldn't be a part of that listen we have celebrated Churches in town getting new buildings. We celebrated with them. We have celebrated baptisms with other churches going, man, that is fantastic. That is awesome. Because that's our heart, that we would all be unified and we'd get the message across easier. That people would begin to believe what's being said because we're unified in our message. And there's one great message that comes up in this next week of Resurrection Sunday. The fact that Jesus died on the cross for us and then defeated death is our message. And then he told us in the scripture, he's coming back for us. That's a promise. So we have to unify within ourselves. We have to unify with Christ. We have to unify with others so that our message gets stronger. Make sense? I'm going to pray for us. The band's going to kick off a couple more songs here. I'd encourage you to read Ephesians 4 this week and just walk through more of, of what unity looks like as we prepare our hearts for Resurrection Sunday next week. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for Encouragement from Paul for prayer from Jesus of, of what this all looks like. Thank you for humility in Philip and Thomas of just going, I, I don't see it. So God, would you help us in this morning to stop the division within us, stop the division within society? Would you help us and Encourage us to, to forgive, to love you deeper, to, to let that pour out into those around us. Would you help us, God, just to be kind? Help us to be kind to those around us, to those that we love, to those that we hate. 
Would you help us to be kind? God, we love you. It's in the name of Jesus we ask these things.